Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Welcome to another episode of Photo Taco. Thank you so much for the download. My name is Jeff Harmon. I'm the hobbyist editor at improvephotography.com. And I got to rush through this because I got so much I want to share. I promised the Facebook group, the Photo Taco, Taco listeners Facebook group. That's a mouthful. I promised them I'd walk through how I got an, an HDR photo at the Oregon coast recently. So I'm going to rush through this as quickly as possible. If you want to see the picture, it is out on the Facebook group, Photo Taco Podcast listeners. You can ask to join the group if you're not already out there. It's a shot I took at the Oregon coast, Cape Kawanda, and it's this massive rock that is about a mile offshore of the coast that it's like eight acres that the base of the rock covers and there's this brilliant sunset that was there that night that I took the shot I was really lucky to get the shot we were there for about a week and the sunsets were not very brilliant they were mostly dull there was a mist that came off of the ocean just off the coast and it blocked the sun as it was going down so most of the sunsets were pretty drab while I was there and it just happened to be that this night I was taking shots and I was really hopeful that it, the makeup would be better and it was so I promised I'd go through kind of how I got the shot and I have a ton of information I want to share. Might end up being a little longer podcast than I want, but here we go. All right, three primary steps to taking the shot. There's the physical elements, there's setting up the camera settings, and there's the post-processing. I'm going to kind of detail all three of those, what I did to get this shot. The first then is the physical elements. The very first thing I had to decide on a lens choice. I have multiple lenses. None of them are really super high quality. I'm a hobbyist photographer. I don't have really, really good glass yet. I have a couple of choices. Focal length, I have some choices. I have wide, I have medium zoom, I have super zoom, I have some choices, and I got to figure out what focal length do I want. It's not really the matter of the quality because they're all very similar in terms of quality, but the focal length. What, what focal length do I want to shoot at? I'd been shooting for about an hour already at the point when the sunset was turning out to be this brilliant sunset behind the rock. As the night had progressed during that hour of shooting, I started out wide. I started out wanting to get like the whole coastal scene that I had there. And it means that this massive, massive rock that was there ended up being this little itsy bitsy part of the scene. It was very much de-emphasized when it was really wide. Plus, earlier on, the sunset did cover the whole width of the scene, as wide as I could get it. But as the evening progressed and as the sun went further and further down, the brilliant parts of the sunset had really changed. And it was a lot more localized around the rock, which ended up being a good thing for what I wanted because I really wanted a shot much tighter in on the rock with the sunset behind it. And so I, that's how the scene was playing out. I knew I had to go from wide. I, the wide was not going to work anymore and I needed to get more zoom. And so I decided that it was time to switch over to my 55 to 250 Canon kit lens. Not a spectacular lens, but it can take good shots of landscape for sure. Uh, higher apertures, it does a much better job. It struggles a lot more at the lower apertures. So that's what I did. I decided I put that lens on. I also knew I wanted a tripod. I use the Enduro AT13 tripod. I'm looking for stability in this shot. I know I wanted to do some slower shutter speeds as I took this shot. I needed this shot to be as stable as possible. I didn't want any camera shake to reduce the image quality. So there was that. I also noticed <laughs> as I was taking a lot of shots, I have the Canon camera strap on my camera still. I know a lot of people replace those pretty quick, but I haven't. I still have the normal Canon camera strap. And that sucker was whipping around in the wind a lot. And I knew I had to hold on to that or 
or that camera strap whipping around would add some instability to the physical setup of the shot and make it so I didn't get as good of image quality. It would be shaky. That's kind of the physical makeup. Use my 50 to 250 lens and I actually set it at about 55 millimeters and then I held on to the camera strap while I was on the tripod. All right, now the camera settings and what I did. First of all, I always shoot raw on all my landscapes. I shoot raw. The only time I don't would be if I need a lot higher frame rates on taking like sports action scenes. But other than that, I'm always shooting raw, not JPEG. I know I always wanted ISO 100. I'm going to be on a tripod. There's no reason to take the ISO up from that for what I was trying to capture here. Then the aperture. I knew I I at least wanted f8 on this shot i wanted everything in focus i didn't want a shallow depth of field i wanted as big a depth of field as possible hopefully get that infinity point there so that the entire scene could be in focus so i set it there and then i look in the light meter to see what the shutter speed should be i i use the shutter speed then as the variable as i'm watching the light meter i'm changing the the dial for the shutter speed until the camera says that it's a perfectly exposed scene and i ended up at, at a shutter speed that was way too fast for what I wanted here. I wanted the water to not be as detailed. I wanted it to be a little bit smoother than the, the rocky waves that were out there. Just how I decided I wanted to take the picture. I wanted it to be less crunchy, as Nick Page would say. I didn't have an ND filter, so that would have really helped. I could have had probably a lot lower aperture than I ended up at, like more of an F8, and get a slower shutter speed with it. I don't have an ND filter. I didn't have one with me. So that meant I had to stop down, which means increase the aperture. And I decided to stop at F18, which is really high. I was nervous about this particular kit lens having good quality at that, but I really wanted the shutter speed to be a lot longer than I was getting at apertures less than that. So I stuck it at F18. And that put the camera light meter said I could go a shutter speed of about one quarter of a second and have that be perfectly exposed. So that was a lot closer to what I was looking for as I'm setting up the shot. And it's just a personal choice how I wanted the water to look was the reason that I, I wanted the shutter speed to be so long. Then I knew I wanted HDR here. Now I wasn't, I'm not always certain I'm going to use the HDR shots, but it's better to have them than to not. So I set up in the menu to have three bracketed shots. And why three? Why not more? Why not five, seven, nine? For me, it's because I already know how I wanted the picture to look. I wasn't after an over-the-top HDR kind of feel with this shot. I wanted something that looked a lot more natural, a lot more like what I looked at. I knew I wanted to be able to pump up the vibrance of the scene and make really emphasize the colors that were there in the background of the shot. And I wanted to not have the rock be silhouetted. I wanted to get some detail of the rock. So that means I, I knew the dynamic range of the scene was such that I needed to bracket it. I needed to have at least the option to use the HDR, but I didn't need, I don't want more than the three shots. Lightroom will actually only use two of the shots anyway. I mean, you could feed it more, but it's not one that's ever going to give you the over-the-top HDR kind of look. It's always going to be more natural. So it really picks out the stuff, the shots that you give it, even if it's more than just two of the shots that are very reasonable, more natural looking kinds of things. And so taking three is, is all I cared about in my case. You might have different situations where you'll decide you want more brackets. You might want more of an over-the-top feel. You might want creatively to do that. And in Photomatix uh, Pro from HDR Soft, that is definitely achievable.
unbelievable. People have had some tremendous shots with way more brackets than that, but I only cared about the three in this in this particular shot. Next, I set up the drive mode to be a two second timer. That's because of two reasons. One, I didn't want to have any possibility of introducing camera shake by my pressing the shutter button. I wanted to press the shutter button, have it wait two seconds for everything to kind of calm down and then take it. Although the shutter speeds that I'm ending up at, I don't think that would have mattered a whole lot. The other reason though was on at least my Canon camera, if you have it on drive mode of a two second timer, it will take all three shots itself automatically, bam, 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 take all the shots as close together as it can possibly get. Whereas if it's on any other drive mode, either the 10 second or two second timer, anything else besides those, you have to manually push the shutter button for each bracket that you said you wanted to do. Since I wanted three shots, I would have had to push the shutter button three times to get my three different bracketed shots. And I like the camera to take them for me. So I set it on two second delay timer drive mode. All right, composition. I used live view mode to look at the scene. I have grids turned on so that I have the one third view of all the lines. You have the left third, right third, top third, bottom third lines that kind of intersect. It's good to set up your shots using the rule of thirds composition techniques. I knew with this massive rock out there on the coast, I wanted it to be on one of those third composition lines. I wanted it on the right hand side of those third composition lines in this shot. So I used live view. Why live view? Well, in my case, I was I had eyeglasses on and it was dark enough. And with eyeglasses, it just makes it really hard to see the light meter settings, what the light meter says the exposure settings are inside the viewfinder if I use the viewfinder. So it was much easier for me just in my situation to be able to see kind of what the light meter was reading as I did that. So I used live view mode to do that. The other advantage was I can use the line level then in live view mode. So I did that. I hit the info button until the line level showed up. And even though it was pretty close with the tripod and the bubble and the tripod and everything, I wanted it to be perfectly level. It's something you can fix in post, but you have to either give up part of the scene by changing the level and making the horizon perfectly straight, or you have to take it into Photoshop and use context aware fill and fill in the scene that you had to cut off in order to change it so that it was perfectly straight and level. So I used line level to do that. All right, shutter speeds then ended up being 1 15th of a second at minus two EV, two full stops from what the camera light meter said was perfect, one quarter at perfect at zero EV, and one full second on the right hand side at plus two EV. And why plus two and minus two? Again, it's my, I know how the software works. That's the best, the Lightroom and Photomatix are both designed to work well at plus two, minus two. Uh, you can go plus one, minus one. You can go plus three, minus three. You can take more bracketed shots to get all of those. But I knew that that's how the software works. So I decided that's, I wanted plus two, minus two EV as I set up the shot. So then I pushed the shutter button, bam, bam, bam. The Canon automatically took the, the picture and there we go. Now I took it into Lightroom. I knew I want to start off processing in Lightroom. and then and in some cases, I decided to take it into Photomatix Pro HD is the other software that I have for processing HDR photos, but I did this in Lightroom. So I'm going to run through these in Lightroom really, really fast because the time is dragged on so much. I hope you're okay with that. Here we go. I got it in Lightroom and I looked at the minus two EV shot and I decided it didn't have that much to offer. It was very, very dark. There wasn't a lot of the highlights in the sunset showing color. It was showing a lot of drab, dark stuff there. And I actually liked the shot at zero EV much better. Plus at zero EV, I didn't have any blown highlights. So I decided that was going to be one of my shots in the HDR. I usually throw out the middle shot and use the far ends, the minus two EV and the plus two EV shot. But in this case, I decided to throw out the minus two EV and use the zero EV and the plus two EV. The plus 
too, of course, had the detail of the rock so that I didn't have a shadow there so and, and wasn't a silhouette anymore. So I used those two, selected them both in Lightroom, hit Control H, merged it together into an HDR shot, which is an awesome new feature of Lightroom CC 2015. All right, next, I played with a white balance. Didn't have to do a whole lot there. I was happy with how it looked, although I usually have to come back and revisit white balance kind of at the end of my post-processing techniques. I dragged down the highlights in the basic panel completely to the left, and I raised the shadows completely to the right. Now, I usually do this pattern a lot, not all the way to the edges, but in this case, I really liked how the shot looked when I did that. It really raised the rock so it wasn't a silhouette, and I brought the highlights down. It made the dynamic range between those two things much closer, and it made a more appealing shot to me. I also lowered the blacks and raised the whites until, until the histogram in Lightroom said I was clipping a color. You can see the clipping indicators on the histogram in the upper right and upper left of the histogram in Lightroom. You raise the whites until you see it on the right upper right-hand side. It goes red or blue or green on which channel is clipping or then turns white if you're clipping all three channels. And same with the blacks, you lower it until it says it's clipping in the upper left. So I did that and then I played with the contrast. And in this case, I really liked the contrast lowered to minus 30. I played with the clarity and I liked it at plus 20. I raised the vibrance. I knew I wanted those colors to really, really pop out and be super accentuated in my shot. So it was a little more extreme than was actually there on the scene but I liked it. That's what I was shooting for. That's what I wanted out of my shot. So I raised that all the way up to plus 40. I don't usually go that high in the vibrance, but that's in this case what I wanted. And then I went into the HSL panel and played around with the luminance and saturation. It's really powerful, especially for sunrise and sunset photos to play around with that. And depending on what you want it to be, I ended up lowering the luminance of red, orange, yellow, and blue. Lowering the blue really helps bring out the blue in the sky a lot better. And then I raised the luminance of aqua and purple. And then I added one gradient filter from the top of the sky down to the horizon level. And in that gradient filter, I brought the contrast back up to a, a more normal level. I also decreased the clarity to minus 100 and I increased the noise reduction to 100. And then I grabbed the brush, a new feature also in Lightroom CC 2015, and I used option to paint out applying the graduated filter to the rock. I didn't want that impacting the rock. And that's how I ended up with the shot. So that's really, really fast. I'm sorry it went on a lot longer than a normal podcast episode, but hopefully you found it informational and you liked it. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Phototaco. You can suggest themes or topics for the show. Also going out on the Facebook group page is awesome. You can do the same thing, offer suggestions and topics for the show there and interact a lot more with me and the other hosts of the Improved Photography Podcast Network. If you haven't already subscribed to the other podcast, you need to. Portrait Sessions and Thoughts on Photography and Improved Photography, great podcast, lots of different emphasis and focuses out there. Really, really cool things you can do there. And finally, don't forget about improvephotography.com. Great news, gear, other photo tip articles from me and other people out on the site. Together, it is the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!